0: In just a few moments, hundreds of stars and maybe, maybe even a planet or two are going to appear visible to our naked eye, some of them three to 4,000 light years away. I want you to imagine fixing your eyes on one of those planets or stars. As you fix your eyes, planet or star, you just walk towards it. You walk towards it until you get right underneath it, almost like walking towards a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. That's the kind of fanciful thing we're talking about here, and that's the kind of thing we hear about in the Christmas story. It's one of the most bizarre tales you'll ever hear around the Christmas story, and yet it gets so much attention to God's Word, more than than Joseph, more than the shepherds, is this bizarre tale. And why is that? Why would God decide to include this into his word? Let's together read the story of the Magi, and we're going to find this out together. Uh, In your insert, you're going to see Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Uh, If you do not have, or you yourself have never been a young boy, One uh, kind of unfortunate Christmas tradition is boys turning Christmas carols into their own parodies of Christmas carols. For example, I remember a couple from when I was young, uh, when the song uh, Jingle Bells came on, uh, oftentimes boys uh, involved the lyric, Batman smells, along with it. (laughs) The other memorable one that came to mind this week as I was thinking about this was We Three Kings of Orient R. And it went like this. We Three Kings of Orient R tried to smoke a rubber cigar. It was loaded and exploded. Boom! And then We Two Kings of Orient R tried to smoke. It was loaded and exploded. Boom! And then Me One King of Orient R tried to smoke a rubber cigar. It was loaded and exploded. Boom! Silent night, holy, that was, that was the joke. And I'm telling you this, not just to be funny, but this silly parody is, is no less false than the song it was trying to parody. We Three Kings of Orient Are begins this beautiful Christmas carol, and yet so much of that is not true, is silly in and of itself. For number one, we have no idea how many of these magi there were. We're not look at our text again. Does it say how many there were in there? It doesn't. It tells you how many gifts they brought. But we have no idea how many came with these categories of gifts. These gifts were likely given by patrons or sponsors who, like the magi, were curious, intellectually curious about what they might find if they followed this star. Number two, they are not kings. These are not kings that we find. These are, these are magi. Magi primarily studied the stars to try to, to understand the events of the day and to find their place in the world. And of course they studied the stars to do that. They looked above and they saw this vast constellation of light way above them. Light that moved, light that changed, and they wondered to themselves, this is something bigger than we are. And so they studied it to find out who they were in the histories of the day. And, and this was before telescopic lenses, certainly for space travel, but they noticed changes in the sky, sometimes spectacular changes. And they thought it might mean something. For example, in 44 BC, when Julius Caesar was assassinated, you might remember that, E2 Brute? Well, right after that, we know that this supernova exploded in the skies at the burial of Julius Caesar's. And astrologers looked at this and they thought, Wait a minute, this must mean something. A king has died, a king has been buried. Something is going on here. Someone's trying to tell us something. So astrology was considered a scientific field reserved for the intellectually curious. Was there magic involved? Was there a little religion involved? Of course, it was the first century. That's what was happening. But today, it'd be like doubling in in physics and philosophy. And if you were that kind of person... This is what you would do. You would become a Magi. You would track changes in the sky whilst reading histories and trying to figure out what was going on and being skilled to debate. What can we figure out from all this? What can we figure about life, about history, about our purpose? That's what Magi did. And to give you an idea of how well-read these men are, they clearly, for example, in our situation, learned a little Hebrew to examine the Old Testament and other Jewish writings to be able to say, as it says here in verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. So these are non-Jews who've studied enough to know we saw this star, it's his star, we're coming to see it. We come to see he who was born king of the Jews. And number three, what we know is that these men are almost certainly not, are probably not from the Orient. Persia, specifically. Centuries earlier, this practice originated with the Persians and the Medes. But by this time, the time we see the Magi, that practice had grown being a Magi because more and more people throughout the known world were growing intellectually curious about their place in the world and what it all meant and our purpose in life. All we know is that they're from east of Judah. We know nothing else. And these are the facts about the Magi, despite the song that you might have heard. Now, what did God think about these men? God was not a big fan of studying the stars. Uh, In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, he mocks this practice in the book of Jeremiah. He calls it vanity. And yet Matthew emphasized that it's a star that these men studied along with history that God used to lead them to this boy who was born king. It was a star that God used, right? He emphasizes this over and over. His star in verse two, the star in verse nine. And again, when they saw the star, sure enough, we know that around the time that Jesus was born, there was this odd conjunction that happened between Jupiter and Saturn. They came together to make this great light. And it was this kind of conjunction over which astrologers went crazy. They went nuts. Like, this is, uh, this is amazing. The kind, of, the kind of crazy we went over. Remember when the eclipse recently happened? And, and some of us, maybe even you, you went and you traveled somewhere to see the eclipse. You knew people who went there. We all freaked out because we wanted to get the kind of glasses to make sure we didn't go blind when we saw the eclipse and everyone was talking about it. That's the kind of buzz around this conjunction around the time Jesus was born. And so we know about this famous planetary conjunction. We know of God's dislike, though, of these things, of studying the stars. So why does he use it? Why does he use it to use the, to, to lead these men to this boy-born king, this baby-born king? Why does God use an astrological phenomenon over the city of Bethlehem to lead them. There's got to be a reason because Matthew makes such a big deal about it. And here's the reason I believe that God, and he does this throughout the Bible and he does this through Jesus. God speaks to us through language that we can hear. He speaks to us through language we can hear. And that might sound a little different for every person. These foreign men were men of scientific and intellectual curiosity. So God speaks to them in a way that they can hear. He speaks to them in a way that they may not be able to hear about Jesus otherwise. Last Christmas, we looked at the shepherds who were despised for what they did, for their profession. They were shamed and mistreated. So God sends to them a royal imitation about the birth of Jesus with an angelic soundtrack in the, in the background and an angel to deliver it to them to immediately honor these shepherds and say, you are worth it. You are worth hearing about this invitation about the King of Kings. And they could hear that and they felt honored by it. Maybe God speaks to you through language of a creation and nature as you consider the, the glorious sky above us and the sea below us. Maybe God speaks to you through the language of music, a lyric you never considered before that hits you tonight or a song that gets down deep to your emotions to the point where it gets through to your heart maybe God even speaks to you through this Christmas message tonight. And you may think that Jesus, and Christmas in particular, is only for the desperate, the weak, the downtrodden, and it absolutely is. But it's also for the genuinely curious. That's what we see in the Magi, that God speaks to the genuinely curious, for those who thirst for answers to the biggest questions of life. In 1990, the United States... Uh, National Institute of Health started something called the Human Genome Project. It took 13 years to complete. It was led by a world-renowned geneticist named Francis Collins. He and his team of of, of thousands of scientists mapped the 22,000 protein-coding genes that make up a human genome or DNA. 13 years it took. During the most ambitious biology project, you think your science projects were hard, during the most ambitious biology project ever known to man, and with a mind open, wide open to discovery, Collins never saw it coming. He never expected it. He never had any reference point for spirituality or religion or anything like that, but as he studied the complexity and order of the human body, he was led to ask himself what or who is behind all this intricacy and order. And God spoke to Francis in a language that he could understand, and he didn't let him go until Francis fell down and worshiped Jesus himself. Francis probably could not hear from God any other way, but God found a way to speak to him. No matter the language, friends, no matter the language, we can be sure what God is speaking to us is about the born king, Jesus Christ. Another gospel writer named John describes Jesus as the translation of God himself. Think about that. Many of us have experienced God feeling like a foreign language, unknowable, inscrutable, incomprehensible. God, would you just show up in my life? And that's why he sent Jesus to be the translation of it so we can know who God is. And through Jesus, we can know that God is wise, that God is loving, that God is forgiving. We know God is sacrificial. And ultimately, we can know him as Savior, Jesus Christ. Genuinely curious, open-minded, thirsting for answers to ultimate questions. These magi find the born king, and having found what they were seeking, they responded. They actually responded. They fell down and worshiped him. Friends, I believe God is speaking to us tonight. He may be speaking to you in a different way than he's speaking to your neighbor, but he's speaking nonetheless, and you can be confident that primarily he's speaking to you about the born king, Jesus. How will you respond? Will you? Will you fall down and worship him also? Let's pray. God, we thank you that during this Christmas season, you speak a message that all of us can hear. Some of us need to hear a message for for the downtrodden and the weak and the vulnerable. Some of us come tonight asking the big questions, the ultimate questions. And what an encouragement it is, God, to know that around the Christmas story, around the, the born king, you spoke to those hearts and those minds too. Thank you, God, for speaking to us in a language we can hear, ultimately through the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.